0: Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now, here's your host, Cheryl Esposito.
1: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today, I have a returning guest, a very special friend of mine, Dr. Ken Druck. Dr. Ken, as some people call him, um, started his career way back when um, with a doctorate in clinical psychology. He's always been someone who's wanted to help people to be their best and to navigate life's changes. He has become a prolific author, um, several books, which we're going to talk about in a moment. Ken has actually become an expert in... uh, How to Manage the Human Spirit When Tragedy Strikes. He has become the go-to person um, when disaster strikes, and the um, news outlets want to know what do we do and how do we navigate this and what advice do you have for people to get through this. His current book, Courageous Aging, The Best Years Ever Reimagined is going to be released October 3rd, and his other books have just been fabulous. A few, just to name a few, Secrets Men Keep, How to Talk to Your Kids, The Real Rules of Life, Balancing Life's Terms with Your Own, and of course now, Courageous Aging, Your Best Years Ever Reimagined. Dr. Kendrick, welcome
2: to Leading Conversations. Cheryl, it's such a joy to be back with you.
1: What a great show.
2: I just love hearing about your show, listening, tuning in, so I'm so honored to be a part of it today. Uh, So where are you today? I am in Del Mar, California. I am looking out over the Pacific Ocean, uh, north towards uh Encinitas and south towards La Jolla. And uh, one of the blessings of my life is that I get to watch the sun rise and set um, from my beautiful uh home here. Oh, how lovely. So you've been to live there for a long time, right? I've been here. I'm I'm one of these people who made his way from uh humble beginnings in New York out to Colorado where I had my kids and family years and then out to California. So I'm moving ever west and uh <laughs> towards the warmth. But uh, uh yeah. but I, I do have an opportunity to travel throughout the country, so I get back to New York and uh and and get to travel throughout the country often. You mm-hmm.
1: can well that is You know, your travel throughout the country is a gift. Um, Your work has taken an interesting journey um, from your beginning in clinical psychology um, to corporations and boardrooms and then into a realm that few people want to enter, and that is working with people who have experienced tragedy, um, really engaging in um, how to not just survive, but be resilient and thrive after things have occurred that sometimes are unimaginable. And I know you have been one who has been very willing to use yourself as teacher and what I mean by that is, is you have taken some of your own life experiences and you have been willing to share your path and your um, journey through those experiences to help others in their own. Talk a little bit about um, how that happened for you. You know, we know that um, you had a very tremendous loss with the loss of your daughter many years ago. Um, but how did you get to the point where you just wanted to
2: help others in their own experiences? Cheryl, I've, I've you know, have, as you pointed out, I, I've had this amazing, amazing journey. I have been such a blessed man, uh, blessed with two of the most amazing daughters in the world, and through many family years and writing books and really adventuring out into the world and looking at the whole field of what it means to live courageously. And in the middle of my glory years, uh, as you've pointed out, my oldest daughter Jenna was on a study abroad trip and was on a bus to the Taj Mahal that flipped over. And Jenna, along with three other beautiful young college women, died So my world was completely turned inside out. Um, My life as I knew it ended. And, you know, when we go through something like this, when our heart is ripped out, whether we suffer a, a living loss like a divorce or a bad cancer diagnosis or estrangement in our family or whatever, or a life loss where somebody whose life we treasure, like my oldest daughter, Jenna, is lost to us and lost to themselves. Um, it is devastating. And we get to stand in the ashes of Plan A and decide, what am I gonna do? What is the path ahead? And for me, it was a clear choice. There was a path of despair and wandering down that path, and I did, believe me. Or there's a path of honor, where we get to make love the central organizing principle of our lives, not despair. And I have walked a path of honor, and one of the five honorings that I talk about is to do something good in the name of the person you've lost wow. and I decided to do something good in jenna's name, and that's what led me to helping the families after nine eleven It was what led me to start the Jenna Drug Center helping the families after Sandy Hook and Columbine and and being kind of the go-to guy in situations where people were facing the worst possible forms of adversity. Mm.
1: So uh, there is no shortage of that in our world, and we're in the midst of a time where it seems like every week there is a new tragedy. Um, Most recently, we have experienced the hurricanes and the floods and um, earthquakes. And it's like all at once it seems like people all around the world are not just inconvenienced because, you know, they have lost electricity for a week. Their life is completely turned upside down.
2: Are you involved in any of that that's going on right yes. now? Yes. On a regular basis, and I, yeah. I still do get the calls, and I end up writing a lot. I wrote, just wrote a piece yeah. of blog posting called When Everything Has Been Lost, and yeah. I do get calls, and I am helping out in a variety of situations where people have suffered what I call living losses, the hurricanes, where maybe nobody has died at this point in those situations, but everything has been lost, the flood. Oh, yeah. People who've lost everything in fires which we have out here in California or in earthquakes in Mexico City where my fiance's family is and where they've been digging out of the rubble where they lost twenty children in an elementary school and were able to recover eleven who were under concrete. And you know, these are these are the things whether we're facing them. On a catastrophic scale, or whether, like most people, we're going through challenges in our lives, the alchemy of how to transform adversity into Mm. becoming the better version of ourselves, the more courageous, stronger, smarter, more effective, more humble uh, version of ourselves is a challenge that every single one of us faces in some form or shape. And even the experience of getting older, and this kind of is you know, where I started writing about the experience of getting older. Because as we get older, we're facing an adversity. Number one, we're changing. We're not the same yeah. as we were when we were 25 or 35 or 45 or 55. <laughs> and number two, we get to face into the fact that we live in a finite existence, that we don't live forever, and we're looking kind of at our watches or the hourglass and saying, you know, what am I in the third quarter of life or the fourth quarter or, you know, am I in the back nine of life? What's what's going on here? And how do I summon the courage and the sense Mm -hmm. of peace to live out the rest of my time in a beautiful, vibrant, wonderful, audacious way? So, you
1: know, I hear that, and I think about this large population, a lot of baby boomers, who, are, who have moved into this realm of aging, and although I suppose you could say we are all aging, no matter what age we are. If we're um, lucky, we're
2: getting older. Not everybody gets older. If we're getting older, then we have our work. We have the work of a person who's getting older. We get to either face into it or we get to avoid it. That's the choice we have. Well, and so this generation, um, I have to
1: say, has always been a generation of I can have it all and I'm never going to be old and I'm never going to be irrelevant and you know, what are you talking about retiring? And you know, there is just always this belief in this generation that everything just keeps going. You don't stop.
2: That's right. And we live forever. We, I'm gonna live yeah. forever. Isn't that the anthem? You know, Absolutely. Pain, I'm gonna live forever. That's right. And there's a pill for every pain, a diversion for every moment of emptiness, a fix for every problem. And that's just not the truth. The truth is that we get to stand in a moment or in many moments during the course of our lives of unknowingness, of emptiness, of sorrow, of confusion, profound confusion. And we get to stand in those and we have to summon the courage to find our way, to kind of fight our way back into life, to find the light again, to, to understand that not every, life's terms are such that there's not a fix for every problem, that we mm-hmm. need to make adjustments. We need to be, a, the resilient resilience is in our DNA. We need to summon the resilience and the strength that we have to get through those dry spells, those tough times, those tragedies, those setbacks, and to become the stronger version of ourselves. And sometimes mm-hmm. that's even just becoming the more spiritually strong version of ourselves. So what is the difference
1: between simply having resistance, uh, resistance, well that's interesting, resilience, and becoming the spiritual
2: resilient self? Well, it's, it's what we cultivate. It's, it's, you know, it's each of us looking in the mirror And saying, for example, when I look in the mirror at the older version of my face, of my older self, do I greet that older self with love, compassion, Mm -hmm. understanding, support, encouragement, acceptance? Or do I criticize? Do I pass judgment? Oh, you look terrible. Look at those wrinkles. Look at your hair is graying. You know, you've got to get yourself looking younger. Uh, look at you, you look terrible. In other words, what are we cultivating? By the way yeah. we talk to ourselves? By the judgment we pass? By how much w- we carry around in our lives that doesn't nurture and support us to have our best possible future? and how are, Or are we cultivating the kind of mindset, the kind of heartset the kind of attitudes, the kind of self-care and self-compassion that's going to truly result in us living our best years ever, using the mm-hmm. years of experience, the confidence we've gained, the free the emotional freedom from getting everybody's approval all the time and, you know, mm-hmm. and all that stuff, are we going mm-hmm. to liberate ourselves to have great years of our lives? Or are we going to keep ourselves entrapped in old images and old biases and judgments about how people lose their value as they get older? Mhm, I remember the first time that
1: I looked in the mirror and said, Oh oh, what's my mother doing there <laughs> <You know>? yep <laughs> and, you know, and it was and I, and i wasn't i wasn't um up in years, you know it was about my Late 30s, and I thought, well, wait, you know, what's that? And, and it was my first indication that, you know, there was an aging process. Even though I didn't look like I was, you know, getting quote unquote old, there was just this shift that I had never seen in me. And that I thought, oh, oh, we do move on in years. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, whoa, and uh, it took me a couple of years to feel okay about that, and, you know, I mean, I think that um, for many of us, because we are faced daily with the barrage of youth is everything, um, you know, it's hard, and yet at some point you simply accept it and be your best, but I hear myself and almost everyone I know saying, but I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't trade the wisdom for, you know, a different body or uh, younger looks. Uh, I, I wouldn't trade that wisdom. And Absolutely. Because there's,
2: right, there's so much richness to it. And I... I, I invite people to embrace these five affirmations. Can I read them to you? Yeah. I release all embarrassment, fear, shame, or apologies if ever I'm asked, how old are you? I release all of that embarrassment and self-consciousness. Number two, from this day forward, I greet my older self with love, acceptance, compassion, support, and understanding. Number three. I summon the courage that I need to move forward, let go of old fears, hurts, regrets, expectations, and negative self-images that keep me down. Four, I do whatever is necessary to put my house in order, simplify and unclutter my life, and then take the good that I've experienced in my life and pay it forward. And lastly, I cultivate the emotional strength to make peace with life itself, to let go and find joy in each and every moment living forward. So it's, it's really a declaration that we make. Aging courageously is a declaration that we make about, you know what, here's how I'm going to approach the future. Here's how I'm going to approach myself. Finding and affirming my true value, my worth, my wealth, Uncovering the sources of joy and peace in my life is a matter of my self-care, my compassion, my loving kindness. It's not about how many years I've been on the planet. I love that. So
1: we're going to talk about how that applies not only to someone who may be feeling like they are moving on in years, as we say, but how that can apply to people their entire life. We're going to take a break right now, and we will be back right after this message.
0: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience,
2: but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more. Old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone
0: just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace
2: every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business.
0: Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl.
1: Welcome back to Leading Conversations, everyone. This is Cheryl Esposito with my very special guest today, Dr. Kim Druck. And we're talking about his new book. Courageous Aging, Your Best Years Ever Reimagined. Now, Ken, I've heard you say that um, since, you know, it, it's a good day if we wake up the next day because that means we're getting older. And I agree with that, right? And so it feels to me as I was reading your book that these are principles and processes that young people could really incorporate into their life. This is not just for people who are trying to decide, you know, what am I going to do after retirement or what am I going to do after a major illness or, you know, my, ch- my situation is changing. This is actually something that young
2: people could embrace. That's you know, it's, it's, it's amazing how sometimes we think that something is for, oh, you just wait until you're 50, 60, 70 years old, and then this will become relevant to you. And I learned that that is so not true. Last week, I was on a radio show in New York, and the demographic of this audience is around 40, 45 years old. And the response was amazing. People were saying, you know what? I'm 38. I'm going to be 40 in two years. I can't believe it. This is, this is as relevant to me as anybody. I'm yeah. going through all these, you know, growing pains. I'm wondering, you know, oh my God, I'm turning 40. What does that mean? You know, how is my status going to change? Because age conveys status, right? You know, we fear losing the ground in people's eyes or society's eyes because we're turning 40. You know, so we have to cover up and, you know, use more makeup or get more Botox or change our hair color or or do something so that we can appear younger because our status is going to be lost. We may even lose our job in some professions or be considered less relevant in our profession because we're obviously from another generation. But it's so important for people to start cultivating these these qualities, younger, and it pays off in spades. It pays off because instead of tying up all of our energy into these negative self-images, these fears, these dreading getting older, we free up all that energy to enjoy life, to find joy, to make peace, and to enjoy the older version and greet that older version of ourselves in the mirror or in the store window. So, you know, I know that
1: um, I have talked with people who get to a point in life where they say, you know, my life didn't turn out to be anything like I expected, and some people are excited about that, and other people have regrets about that. And um, sometimes I think that that's because they actually are living a life that someone
2: else Thought they should be living yep do you run into people like that it you know part of the courageous aging book is letting go of regrets feelings of failure uh, expect older expectations and the old life that we were living that didn't work and so mm-hmm. rather than carrying that baggage forward as you're saying you know, why not let it go? Find ways to breathe, forgive ourselves for you know what we might not have accomplished that we thought we should, forgive ourselves for living in falseness in a relationship that, that might not have been the loving relationship that we really wanted and needed, forgive ourselves for not being perfect parents, forgive ourselves for not climbing the ladder in our career as fast or as far as we thought we should you know it's time to let go of all that stuff it's Mm -hmm. time to let go of that painful past or disappointing past to grieve it and to let go of it and to move on in our lives with our arms on our own hearts with self-compassion as the core and the center of how we treat ourselves forgiveness, understanding, you know, compassion and say, you know what, I did the best I could under the circumstances. But that was then and this is now. Hmm. That sounds
1: easy. <laughs> but I can imagine people saying,
2: Well, okay, nice nice concept. But how do I do that? Well the the one question I ask people, and you're absolutely right. Is I ask them what would have to happen for you to let go of that? What would have to happen? What are the conditions under which you would be willing to forgive yourself for a bad marriage or for dropping the ball, you know, on the last play of the game, which you still remember <laughs> you did? Um, what would have to happen? Would you need a life-threatening illness? Would you have Mm -hmm. to be 90? What are the terms and conditions under which forgiveness could take place in your life? Because we have that answer somewhere within our own hearts and minds. We know Mm -hmm. the terms and conditions under which we would be willing to forgive ourselves or forgive another person. And we need to pay attention to that information and then implement it.
1: So it... That makes me think of what happens when people are diagnosed with a life-threatening illness. And it's, it's like instantaneously um, the priorities in life have been reset. And what matters, what used to matter, may not matter anymore. And what they used to think about, what people thought about them, has no relevance. And so, you know, I wonder about that. You know, why do you think that it takes a situation that is that dire for
2: most of us to make choices like this? Well, each one of us has a threshold for what will wake us up. Hmm. I encourage people to wake up without needing a tragedy,
0: without needing
2: a dire circumstance. That sometimes it's just that sitting still, quietly enough to hear our own heartbeat, quietly enough to inspire ourselves to make a change, a needed change in the way we see things, to find forgiveness to summon the courage to change some things around in our lives or to reprioritize things. And we don't need... I mean, some of us, we're going to wait for that tragedy. It's almost like the creed in Alcoholics Anonymous is that sometimes we have to hit rock bottom, but sometimes yeah. we don't need to wait for rock bottom. We can, have, we can have bottom come up and need us. We don't need mm. to wait for the worst possible thing to happen for us to be sufficiently motivated to make a change in our lives. So being proactive, reimagining our best possible future, and then changing the trajectory of the way we're living in some way, shape, or form is the order of the day. It's something we need to sit down and take seriously enough to begin making those changes. Write ourselves that letter saying, I am committing now. I'm making a commitment. It's not just a good idea. But I'm going to make a commitment to changing the course of my life right now, changing the trajectory so that I can realize that best possible future. And mm. so for those people you know- who, go, who are in the, in the soup and for whom there's no rewind, there's no second chance necessarily. They are facing the dire circumstance. You know, that, that takes, and, and that the reset button has already been pushed. There's no reversing that situation. There's no undoing it. You know, they're, they're being faced with a different kind of challenge. It's like, okay, this is my reality now. How do I go forward? What is the best case scenario for plan B how do I make mm-hmm. plan B meaningful, relevant how do I do the best I possibly can including mm-hmm. knowing when it's time to let go you know given what is going
1: on in the U.S. right now um, in the political landscape that is affecting every part of our culture um, it's I'm hearing a lot of people feel like I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to navigate this. I don't know how to get through the day dealing with all this craziness that's going on in our culture, all of this anger and divisiveness, and um, just it's like living in the twilight zone for many. It is.
2: Yeah.
1: And I'm finding that people are – Because it's a very helpless feeling um, that people are saying, I just have to live my life. I just have to focus on my life, my family, um, do what I can do to get through the day. And what's interesting is I'm finding that people are having conversations with friends, with family, with kids and relatives that... Are very meaningful, and it may not even be about the political landscape, but it may simply be about um, you know what matters to you today. You know what values are you showing? You know how are exactly. you treat your friends? And 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 so I'm finding that an interesting um, byproduct of what's happening, and it's almost as if. Um, this, quote-unquote, you could call it a tragedy in our culture, um, is actually giving people pause to look at their own life and say, so how do I want to live my life? You know, what does matter? How do I want to show up in the world? And how do I want to help my kids show up in the world and my friends? And how do we do this together?
2: There is, as you're pointing out, a great awakening happening right now in our country and in our world. And sometimes what the only thing that will wake us up is the sense of threat that everything we've worked for, everything we believe in, the values we hold to be so high, the people, uh, the, the, tr- the way we treat one another in this world, the way the things that we fought for—social justice, civil rights, the treatment, uh, the understanding of, of misogyny and racism—and all these things are being threatened. That when we're threatened, to go backwards. That when we're being invited, or the the forces in our society that still feel these ways are arising or are sanctioned, are given greater strength of expression. That it, it is a, an awakening for so many of us to say, it's time for me to stand up and use my voice. It's time for me to learn how to unplug from mass media. You know, I was on CNN not long ago telling the CNN audience that sometimes you've got to turn off CNN. Sometimes yeah. you've got to turn off Fox or whatever you watch. Sometimes you need to unplug And you need to rebalance and rejuvenate and get yourself centered because it's giving you a distorted picture of helplessness rather than turning to the things that we can do, the ways we can show up in the world, as you've said, that make a difference, that establish our values, that fight for what we define as civility, and that are ultimately going to make our country, our communities, our families, our neighborhoods stronger and safer.
1: Hmm.
2: So, you know,
1: I recently saw a new photo of you, and my impression was wow, something's happened with Ken. I see transformation in his eyes. What's going on with you?
2: Well, as I get older, I'm getting younger, Cheryl. Um, <laughs>
1: I like that. I'm,
2: you know, it, it was interesting to be on the radio in New York with 40-somethings and 30-somethings last week because I, what I ended up telling those call, people who called in was I have never been in a more vibrant, uh, creative Time of life than now at age 68. I am going through a period of kind of a resurgence where so many things in life are coming together. You know, in other cultures, not in Western society, but in other cultures, when you turn 60, you're just waking up. You're just beginning to live. You're just coming alive. In India, for example, in our culture, you know, we want to put you out in on Nordstrom's Rack. You know, we, you go from Nordstrom's to the Nordstrom's Rack or to the 99-cent store. You've been devalued because you're in fade mode. And it was so encouraging for younger people to hear that there are ways that we can revitalize ourselves. Sure, we're on the clock. Sure, we're getting older. That's a reality. Sure, our bodies are changing. But... That light in our eyes and the light that you may see in my eyes looking at my picture is a light of rejuvenation. It's me learning to take better care of myself. It's me blocking time for that hike in nature or for that yoga class that I used to not have time for. It's me surrounding myself with people who feed me and nurture What I want my life to be, rather than being in the company of people and constantly struggling and struggling, uh, but being in the company of people who kind of who are energy suckers—they take energy, they don't bring energy. So I think all these all these elements of self care are working for me, and I'm so grateful to you for noticing. That there is a little more light in my eyes as I get older and smarter and wiser. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I love uh, the light of rejuvenation.
1: I, I think that's beautiful. And you know, there is freedom in getting to the point where it's almost like you cross a um, threshold where you say, "Yeah, I am getting older," and I do own my wisdom, and I do enjoy giving back, and, you know, there's a lot of vitality here. And, yep. you know, I see that. I see that a lot. I think uh, in people's fifties, that really begins to happen. Yep. And, uh, and especially with the baby boomer generation, you know, and so I my hope is that we are setting an example for generations to come. Um, Although it is kind of interesting because I think that we interact with um, two or three generations below us um, or that come after us much more and on a much more regular basis than, say, our parents did. Um, And so it's almost as if that keeps us young as well while
2: keeping us aware of our aging process absolutely absolutely and you just said something so important also about that part of staying young and part of dealing with this time of life this season of life is learning to pay the good that's happened in our lives forward to our kids or grandkids or just the future generations that seventh generation ethic and that is such an important part Putting our house in order, getting our lives uncluttered, simplifying things, and, and paying the good in our lives forward is so important to our health and well-being and the quality of our lives. Hmm. We have much more
1: to talk about with Dr. Kendra Druck when we come right back.
2: is your business running? It should be running smoothly, with nary a hiccup, like a finely tuned machine. But
0: if you're like most businesses, yours may be running nowhere close to that. Listen for Operationally Speaking with your host, Sergio Samal. Our program
2: will help you to run your entrepreneurial business easier, better, with less frustration. And by running it well, you're sure to be poised for faster growth. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 New Pacific time on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: Your favorite Voice America talk radio network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, Blackberry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, Blackberry App World, or Android Market. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Cheryl Esposito. We are speaking with our very special guest today, Dr. Kendrick, and speaking about his most recent brilliant book, Courageous Aging, Your Best Years Ever Reimagined. Now, Ken, we've talked a lot about some of the challenges of living life in a purposeful way and taking that purpose well into our wisdom years. Um, And you talk about the legacy of love. What does it really mean to leave a legacy of
2: love? Well, you know, Legacy is such an interesting term, Cheryl, and it's, it's something that crops up. We start, you know, it first really bubbles up in our 40s, 50s, 60s. And when we start realizing, you know, what am I leaving? If, if I, you know, we get to look around us and we see friends and family members you know who didn't live until they were 80 or 90 and we get to f- and we're asked to take out insurance policies and you know to uh indicate who is going to be the pe- who are the people legally that would be responsible to take over and all these good questions and challenges especially if we have kids and families and so the question of legacy is not only one of putting our emotion our financial and legal house in order and leaving, uh, you know, things so that our families can go on if something were to happen to us. But it's really an emotional and spiritual issue, which is how do I leave only a legacy of love? It's like going to a state park and they say, leave only footprints. You know, yeah, how do I yeah. only leave love? And that mm. that's a process that I write about a lot in the Courageous Aging book because It's so important to put that part of our houses in order. And leaving a legacy of love means that if and when something happens to you, the only thing people are going to feel is your expression of love because of the way you've handled matters, because you've uncluttered things. You're not going to leave a mess. You're going to let people know your love for them. You're going to let them know what you want for them. You're going to communicate these things. You're not going to avoid, you're going to face into and handle these conversations, situations that are unfinished, uh, that you'd like to put in, in, uh, be at peace with, that you handled. And that's what it means to leave a legacy of love. And, uh, you know, some people even make a videotape For their families, that if, God forbid, something happens to them, you know, that their family would be and their children would be able to look at a video of them saying, I love you so much. Do you know what it it has been like, what it's been like for me to have a life as full and complete with you in it? And here's what I want for you going forward. I want you to write new chapters of life. I want you to embody the best in me. I want to have a spiritual relationship with you. I want you to, even though I'm not seen and you can't, you're not going to be able to pick up a phone and call me. I want you to sense my presence in your life when you need me. As I will sense where and I'm entering the mystery of whatever death is, but I will, to the best of my ability, allow myself to feel the love that you're sending me. And let's go forward with life. This is the way of life that we pass into the great beyond, that we pass into Mm -hmm. the mystery ahead. And so let it be that. And I love you and my love is always with you. Now that's what it means to leave a legacy of love and to have that tone and quality rather than leaving a mess behind us of unfinished business. Well, and you know, let's face it. One of the
1: easiest ways to do that is not live your life as a mess, right? It's there you to go. have clarity in your relationships, to have you know no baggage that you're carrying with you, to not um, hold grudges. To, you know, I mean, I have friends, relatives, people that I know who haven't spoken to a relative or someone who's been important in their life. For years, because of yep. some. And, you know, I think, well, you know, if, if one of them exits the planet, <clears throat> there's going to be a lot of leftover emotion that's unresolved. And what a waste of time,
2: yes. right? So, those of us, we have an opportunity to leave our families with a sense of peace rather than a sense of vindictiveness and grudges and, you know, family wars, and we have enough conflict in the world, and we have it within our abilities to give apologies. You know, apology is still one of the most powerful things we have in the toolbox, is the power of Mm -hmm. apologizing to people or making peace with people with allowing it to be the way it was and to give our, and as well as to give our blessings to the way things are and how things have changed. Let it go. Let it be. Right. And to live that way, we don't know what our time, most of us have no idea how much time we have. Right. But to be right. peace now with the understanding that we have our bags packed, we have not left a mess, we've uncluttered our lives so that there's not going to be an ordeal for our loved ones. They're going to, have to be having, having enough to deal with by grieving our loss. They don't mm-hmm. need a shed or a garage or a basement full of garbage to, pe- to go through and to figure out what to do with. That's your responsibility. That's your job to handle it now.
1: Well, and you know, I, I mean, I, I know that there are situations where people feel like they want that apology or they feel that they have been betrayed or they want someone to own it. And the reality is, Even if you got that, it's not going to change what happened. And so, what really matters is what you do now. And sometimes you're just going to have to say, let's just forget it. Let's just not care about what happened and let's care about who we are from this day forward. And because if you continue to try to, you know, assign blame or get, say, you know, you're the one who caused this, you will never get out of that um, circle of power and uh, sense of one up of the other. So, you know, exactly. it, it takes
2: courage. As you say, it takes courage. And... Um, And humility to let go and to say, you know what? Not everything works out perfectly. Not right. every conflict can be resolved. I, right. I'm going to let this go. I'm going to let it go to, the, to a greater – I can't hold it in my body. I can't hold it in my heart anymore. I'm yeah. going to let it go to forces that are bigger than me and, and hope for this other person's well-being and hope that things work out well. I'm not going to hold that malice in my heart any longer. I'm letting that go officially. Right. And, you know, I love that in the book, you give
1: people uh, a roadmap um, to really do some soul searching, and you call it an audit. And I love that. And it's very, very approachable. This isn't, you know, kind of this isn't something that's a deep psychological um, evaluation. This is really looking at your life. Just look, yep. look, and here are some very clear questions to ask. And I just love the way you have done this. We have come to the end of our show, Ken, and which I can't believe. And we have about a minute left, so I would like you to tell people how they can learn more about you and where you they can buy your new book, Courageous Aging. Tell
2: us. Well, the book is available everywhere. October 3rd, it comes out in the bookstores, but it's available now on Amazon.com. You can pre-order it. Or you can get it on Kindle right away, um, or you can contact our office through www.kendruck.com. Go on our website kendruck.com and we'll direct you if you're having any trouble getting the book. Um, it should be available at all the bookstores and just order it. And also, you can go on the kendruck.com Facebook page and we'll be sharing excerpts and articles. Uh, Ariana Huffington is is uh, is um, going to be posting a excerpt from the book uh, coming soon, and we're just, you know, we're available, we're going to be giving workshops around the country and talks, so if you'd like to find our schedule, go on kendruck.com, and I look forward to the conversations that we're building. We have a discussion group also on Facebook. If you'd like to participate in a discussion group, it's kind of like a book club online yeah. where we're, we're really asking the unanswerable questions as well as the answerable ones, and I just look forward to oh, hearing from you.
1: I love that. Kendrick, thank you for being
2: with us. It's always a privilege to have you. And Cheryl, thank you for what you do week in and week out for all of us. Bless you. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you, Ken. Remember,
1: everyone, to think big. The world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito.